The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by Eno, the Capital One Assistant. What's in your wallet? The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. Okay, like we said on the TV intro of this whole deal, we have Will Reeve with us today on the Rossillo Show. It's a Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, this is an awesome time of year. You start cranking it up, hanging out with the family a little bit more. If you're a younger person, you're so excited to be back in your hometown. It's the best on that time of the Wednesday year. when you're so cool because you have life figured out. You're the man. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we have we have an off campus place now. Yep, things are going pretty great. Uh, you get a little bit older. Maybe you met somebody. You're bringing her back to town for the first time, or maybe even older than that, and you got divorced. And now you're just creepy and older and on the prowl. It's so full circle. You're back to the bar with everyone exactly. from high school. Exactly. So Wednesday before Thanksgiving is awesome. If you're watching on ESPN News, you're hanging out, you're waiting for the guest. If you're on the road today, you know, look, don't tweet and drive, but just let us know how you're doing because uh, this is going to be a hellish day. Are you flying out of the States? I mean, you don't have to tell us where you're going because you are an international man of mystery, Will Reeve. But you're out of here. 7 a.m. tomorrow. 7 a.m. tomorrow. Okay. Yes. All right. Because I... Uh, I'm not getting on an airplane, and I did it last year, and I, I remember I was like, do not get on a plane next Thanksgiving if you can avoid it. So, I, I could not avoid it, so I, but it's worth it, so it's all good. Speaking of divorce, the Kyrie Irving-LeBron James divorce. We'll get to Chip Kelly. We'll get to the college football rankings. We have Herm Edwards. we got Paul Pierce joining us. Uh, Bruce Feldman is going to talk about Chip Kelly's future. But the Kyrie Irving-LeBron divorce was... It was late in the NBA offseason, but as far as NBA soap operas go, I still think it's the biggest one that we had of this past offseason. Is it the most obvious thing to say, still early in this season, that Kyrie is definitely the one in the divorce that went and got a personal trainer, is eating right, already met somebody when you thought you were in kind of that gray bumper area of not hanging out with right. someone else? Does he feel like he's winning this hands down? Yeah, and I think if he and LeBron go to the same hometown bar tonight, night before Thanksgiving, LeBron's going to be really upset when he sees who Kyrie walks in with. That's how it feels. They've won 16 in a row. They start 0-2. MVP talk. All of this could be ridiculous, and we could back and you know laugh at this whole thing. But like, what side did you take when it all went down? I I took Kyrie's more out of curiosity than anything else. I'm not particularly aligned with Kyrie. I'm not even that big of a fan of his game. I enjoy watching him play, but I didn't think that he was going to be the guy. I thought that it was sort of foolish for him to to go elsewhere and, like, why not just win with LeBron? Although I did then think, oh, maybe he sees what's going on in Cleveland. And he knows if he gets out of there, he knows what's on the inside in Cleveland. He knows that if he goes to a place that has the right structure, the right players and right coaches around him, if he was able to get there, he knew that he could take on LeBron. And obviously, a lot of things had to fall into place, so... I took Kyrie's side just because I wanted to see what would happen. I love the drama that the NBA brings us all the time, and I thought this was the perfect setup for that. That actually surprised me because I don't think a lot of people took Kyrie's side. I think they looked at Kyrie as the guy that when he was younger, although I think it was unfair to look at his win totals right out of Duke Mm -hmm. because that team was a bad team. and and He was always hurt. Well, I think a lot of people say, hey, we've seen what you've done before, Kyrie, by yourself. It's only 20-plus wins. Um, Accurate, but... To suggest that's who he'd be the rest of his career, you know, it's I don't know. Disingenuous, if it was, I think. Yeah, I don't know if that was fair because he himself became a, a better player. But there were times where I thought, well, wait a minute, if you want to run this on your own, are are you good enough? Are you good enough to go somewhere else where you immediately change the fortunes of that franchise? I only think there's like five or six, maybe total players like that in the league where this guy shows up, and really no matter what your roster is, you're probably a playoff team. I didn't think he was that either. I'm with you on yeah, that. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure he was I that. Just was ex- I was on his side just because I wanted to see what would happen, and I'm very intrigued by what has happened so far. It is early. You know, yep. 18, 20 games in, doesn't really matter in the NBA 
which we've all agreed the past couple of years doesn't start until the playoffs really begin. But it's fun. That like hurts. It's interesting. So this whole time I don't have to watch any of these games? No, you do. Okay. And I, I'm right there with you, man. I love the NBA. <laughs> I know I'm what you're I like, I'm right. watching Knicks clips on Monday night. It was, you know. Eh. You're but, a Knicks fan, though. Well, I'm a, I'm a Porzingis fan, and I'm a Madison Square Garden fan. Like, I am so Mr. Mecca. So what does that mean? You'd root for the Nets if they were better? No, what? No, I'm, I'm like just trying the to garden, the garden itself. Like, yeah, I but, love the garden, and I feel like the mayor when I'm there, not going to lie. Okay, but when you <laughs> so, say... When you say I'm a Porzingis fan after I ask you if you're a Knicks fan and then you say the Garden, it doesn't – is that just <laughs> it wasn't a continuation? It was endorsement of yeah, the Knicks. It, it didn't make me feel like you're a Knicks fan. Well, I've had nothing one. to root for, so I've yeah. been more of an NBA fan, but I've always felt like when the Knicks get good, I'm going to be able to say accurately and authentically that I've been rooting for them. I'm just not like living and dying with their results. Yeah, but you live in the city too, so you got to – like I got other stuff going you, on you, too. You're going to get away with it. You're going to get away with it, even though it's felt like a soft sell of your fan. Oh, dude, like I'm a huge Yankee fan, no lie. But then when they made their playoff run, that's when I went and bought the hat. And like that fit in. Like I am a diehard Yankee fan. I go to regular season games in April, but like the hat came on in in October and I felt a little weird about it. But then I was in your first Yankee hat (laughs) in a while. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I don't look good in hats. So you don't look good in hats. No, that makes us feel better here on the show because you started talking about. Blake Shelton and how good looking he was, and then some suggested that maybe you were one of the five most attractive men on campus. I heard it went a little differently. I was listening to the show yesterday. You guys left me off the list, which is fine. We never was a formal list, so don't feel left out. We haven't really, we haven't whittled it down yet. Okay, so back to Kyrie. (laughs) It's time (laughs) for Straight Talk Wireless. No, no, no. Straight Talk Wireless, best phones, best networks, no contracts. I'm the one who asked you about being a Knicks fan. Will Reeve, the Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. When Kyrie wanted to do this, I'll admit it, it felt misguided it felt egotistical it felt irrational all of these things okay here's Kyrie who's been to the finals three years in a row they win a title and it's more because of LeBron than it is you and the reports that even after they won in 2016 and he hits that magical shot in game seven against the Warriors that he wanted out then I've heard both sides of this argument and the LeBron argument is much like you would expect the better player the older uh, older person, the established guy, the big brother, is like, look, man, a lot of your stuff is because of me. And like any little brother who's pretty good at what he does, too, he goes, okay, thanks for everything, but I can also do this on my own. Now, is he doing it on his own, or is this 16 wins in a row a little fluky? Or is it Ainge putting together an amazing roster? Is it a great co- You know what? It's all of those things right now, but Kyrie, 18 games into this season, is better positioned than I thought he would be when it was first announced that not just that he was going to the Celtics, but when he first said, I want out of here. I was on LeBron's side of the divorce. I'm not even saying that I've switched sides. It's just since the breakup, the X looks a lot better than I thought that they were going to look. What did you think that the end result was going to be Kyrie? Best case scenario for him when he announced that he wanted to leave when it came out this summer. Well, some of the teams, he, going? he wanted to go to Minnesota. So you figure, okay, Minnesota would have to switch some things around. How would that work? But that should still be a playoff team. If he went to Phoenix, I thought, okay, I'll score a ton of points. But, but they'll be irrelevant. Yeah, 40 other than wins. Him scoring 45 every other night. Yeah, I didn't think it would be MVP 16 in a row and fit in seamlessly. But what this really was, and, and, and Kyrie's interviews, Will, can drive me crazy sometimes because it's almost this approach to like let me oh, Me be. too. That first take thing, man, I could not And the stand. Spurs were the fourth team. That's right. So the Spurs, it would have all 
Obviously, it would have worked because it's San Antonio. <laughs> that would have been maybe better than the Warriors. Right. They'd be 17-1. and one. Right. But he is – it's a little cheesy at times when he talks about the book that he's writing day-to-day and his personal journey, and he's, he's an enlightened dude, okay? Oh, he does – oh, God, I didn't – You're not into it, is what you're <laughs> No, me. I'm not okay. into the book you're writing every day. Okay, so – Talk. So putting that aside, this really was somebody when he looked in the mirror and said, I need to go on this – this walkabout, this NBA walkabout, and figure out who I am, and I can't do it with anybody else. And none of us ever like when any person says that about themselves. I need to go and, you know. Find myself. Yeah, right, right. Like, That's the kid who comes about? back to the bar the night before Thanksgiving. He's like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of traveling. I'm and- CEO. <laughs> I'm a CEO. Yeah, of what? what? Yeah. Of what exactly? I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, a media company? Like, what do you just like stuff We're on in Instagram? Tech? We're in <laughs> Yeah, we're an uh, active Instagram account. We're in this space now that's just an un... What is it? It's untapped. It is untapped. We have potential. Kyrie, you know. Kyrie's investment in himself is paying off, though, is my point. It's paying yeah. off bigger dividends than I thought it would when he announced all this stuff this past summer. He's now the CEO of his own... He's the CEO of me. He's the, yeah, he's the CEO of Kyrie Enterprises, and I suppose you should be buying stock in Kyrie right now. Because you are kind of in that world, I always have to check how we're talking about some guys, because then all of a sudden you... I don't know if you'd be like, hey, I'm actually good friends with Kyrie or you just no. you, you you hang in some cool circles. I, I saw the appreciate that. photos. I appreciate that. Uh the coolest circle I've hung in, in a long time is the one I'm in right now with you. Oh wow. This guy's so good at this. No wonder everybody likes you. Will Reeve all day today. The Ryan Rossillo show. We got Will Reeve with us all day today. Uh, different sports center hits that he's done. You've been traveling all season too, as well for college football. Yeah, lots of college football. The Will Reeve experience—that's what it's called. Best on one of the year. Center. Best one of the year. Hanging upside down out of the Sooner schooner before Oklahoma's game against Iowa State, which they lost, and I was the bad luck charm for that. But whatever. Have uh, the people in Norman said that to you? Uh, I said it before anyone else could. You know, you got to. Uh, I mean, get hanging upside down. Like, so you know the Sooner schooner, I the do. like covered wagon that's yeah. led out by horses. Yeah. Um. A roughneck, that's their like spirit squad, all the dudes who go crazy. Yep. One of them Dungarees. Ha- yeah, exactly. One of them hangs out the back of the schooner as it makes a lap around the field, and there's a guy in the thing holding on to your legs so you don't fall out, and they let me be the guy hanging upside down waving the flag. Those guys are all pretty strong, so I can't. Oh, they're hardcore they're yeah. hardcore Oklahoma farm dudes. They were yeah. uh they were a lot of fun. They got paddles and stuff, they wear those yes. white overalls. Yep. Right. Okay. It was fun. That was that, the best one. That was the best fun. one. I guess the other, the worst Will Reeve experience would be the Will Kane male experience. <laughs> yeah, that's the. Uh, you get Will Kane's mail. Sometimes. I get Will Kane's mail. I get his tweets. I wouldn't mind getting his portfolio at the company either. Well, on behalf honest. of our staff and him working with us a lot, we apologize it's for okay. all that happening to you. The Rosilla <laughs> Show on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Last year, over 3 million drivers switched to Progressive. Call or click today and find out if you could save. Apparently. Chip Kelly has a decision to make, and this decision comes soon here. The Florida Gators or the UCLA Bruins. Now, Florida met with him. They flew up, not to Connecticut, but New Hampshire met with him. And then there was another meeting that supposedly happened in L.A., but that wasn't the case. But UCLA has met with both of them. Uh, and that, I guess, was a meeting that they had with L.A. officials from UCLA, obviously. And that was yesterday. So, I'd tell you, George, or excuse me, Florida is the better job. But UCLA is the easier one. And I'm always amazed by how many of us would always go the easy way in life. And I think coaches and famous guys and people that are great at what they do in their field, they actually don't think the way the most of us would think. 
Like most of us go, yeah, go to UCLA, you know, do that. LA, get paid, right? yeah, chill, less not, pressure. Yeah, exactly. It's UCLA. You already, you know, you've already recruited. Let's go. Maybe he goes to Florida. He goes, it's the SEC. I want to see what happens. Get, get me SEC guys running my stuff. Gainesville, better tradition. I mean, it's not even close, really. Um, at least modern tradition. But I, I think Florida's more in play here than people think. Is my my whole point. I don't know what he's going to do. I haven't, I haven't, Bruce Feldman's going to come on a little bit later. He'll tell us. Yeah, he'll try to tell us here, but Florida's the better job. It just seems like so many people already have him at UCLA because they just think it's easier, and I'm telling you, coaches don't think that way. Do you think that... Not all of them, at least. We, whether it's the media or as fans, project our own interpretations of situations onto projected decision-making from these guys? Like We're like, oh, he's probably going to go to UCLA because it makes more sense. Like, Yeah, it makes more sense to you and me to go live in L.A., and get paid a bunch of money to hang out in the sun in a low-pressure environment where you're not expected to win right away. But maybe to him, it makes more sense to go and prove that he's better than Nick Saban in his mind and then prove to everybody else in Florida. Yeah, usually guys that are great at stuff, they go, I want that challenge. I want to see what this is all about. I mean, he left Oregon, and he went to the NFL because he wanted to prove that he could do this thing in the NFL. And he almost went to Tampa before that and then backs out of the Buccaneers job, goes to the Eagles. He's got that bad ending there, which ended up, I think, being really unfair. And then the Niners thing was an impossible situation. I think there's probably part of Chip that still wishes he could go back to the NFL. But right now, the premier job that's waiting for him is somewhere in college football. But you're absolutely right. Like I've worked with guys in the past that – Whenever we talk about NBA free agency or something, they just go, oh, I'd love to be down in Miami. Like, well, you would like it right. because it's warmer. No state income yeah, tax. Right. We're talking about <laughs> LeBron James here. Like, what? It, LeBron James' requirements for his decision right. are a little bit more than the weather. He can take a private jet for the day to somewhere warm if he has a day off and really needs some sun, you know? What do you think is a better job? Do you think it's Florida or UCLA? I think it's Florida. Like, in terms of potential, immediate potential and long-term potential, and just being in the SEC, the environment, it's better. I think that Chip Kelly, he's on track so far to have a Nick Saban-type career. Success in college, head to the NFL, less success, back to college for maybe a long run. I, that's that's where he's at right now, back to college for a long run, Saban style. Here's Mark Schlebaugh, ESPN.com, talking about the differences of fit for Chip Kelly. You know, I think Florida's, is a great opportunity for him. I think UCLA might be a better fit. I just think, you know, we saw what, what, how Jim McElwain and some others have kind of wilted in that spotlight down in Gainesville when it's the only show in town. And, and certainly there's a lot more freedom to be yourself and go places in L.A. because not everybody recognizes UCLA football coach. With Will Reeve today on the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio, um, whatever way this goes, it, it's going to be, okay, if he goes to UCLA, it'll be, Hey, it's the West Coast. It makes sense. He's already recruited all that area. And and I've I understand all of those things. That'll be a very easy roadmap to this whole deal. But if it's Florida, then we're just going to do the after the fact. Oh, he went to the SEC. The sneaker thing is the reason I bring any of that stuff up. Is because a lot of sneaker people have gone, Well, he's been such a Nike guy. He owes Phil Knight. Yeah. That, Oregon that he wouldn't take the UCLA job. What what, what are we talking about? Like, does he have his own shoe? Did I miss something here? He just loves the way that Air Maxes feel. Yeah. Like the new sneakers app works for Chip Kelly. Oh, so, what? If that... <laughs> I would I would pay UCLA Jim Mora buyout money just to get the sneakers app to work. So, I... I it reminds me it reminds me of the Kevin Durant thing. And I'm just, I'm just going to point this out. If Chip Kelly goes to Florida instead of UCLA, I have a hard time believing it's going to be because Chip was aligned with Phil Knight years ago. 
Okay, or if he went to UCLA, be like, I can't believe like he's not modeling for Nike anymore. Right, okay? it's not like LeBron James switching over to like. Yeah, Adidas, right. You right. Know? I, it's I, not I like, know. oh, Chip Kelly, he's such a Nike guy. I never even thought of that until people started bringing it up. I didn't buy the Chip Kelly threes. You know, <laughs> no, what so, would those look like? Would those be dad shoes? No, they'd be no? they'd be awesome. Chip they'd be swagged cool out. Clothes. They'd be like cool. low profile squat. They'd shoes be like the Bob Kraft ones. There are the Bob Kraft ones. Yeah, Bob Kraft would figure out a way. But the reason I bring up the sneaker thing is that I'll never forget, and this is total result-based analysis. The best kind. Is people that said Durant wouldn't go to Golden State said he wouldn't go to Golden State because Nike would never want their number two guy in Durant behind LeBron to go and help Under Armour's clear number one guy. I don't even know who their number two guy is in the NBA. Baysmore. <laughs> it probably should be Baysmore. But then as soon as Durant went to Golden State, then the analysis was, and I kept track of you dudes that kept saying this, like, makes sense that Nike would want Durant to infringe upon the number one Under Armour guy's That's success. just needing an angle for a column. Dude said it. <laughs> you know who you are. So I don't know if it's going to be sneakers. I don't know if it's going to be recruiting base. If it's the Gators, it may just be, I want to see if this stuff works in the SEC. And if it's UCLA, everybody's going to go, he didn't want anything to do with the SEC. I, I have more of an open mind about him not worrying about the SEC stuff. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Rossillo. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. An interesting creature inhabits the flat, arid plains of many an automobile dashboard, the bobblehead. It's most agreeable and will nod along to anything, despite having no brain function. But when the bobblehead hears how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, he'll nod even more vigorously, because he knows you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Easy, bobblehead, easy. You're going to get whiplash. Uh, speaking of college football, Kirby Hokut's going to be with us here in just a second, but want to follow up on a story that's still developing here. It's Kevin Sumlin, head coach at A&M. There were reports that he was going to be out after the season or maybe even out before that. Uh, a player on the team tweeted out about A&M, essentially the staff, hey, have some class. Like I can't believe how you're handling this. But as far as we know, Sumlin's still the coach, and Sumlin was asked about this in a teleconference today, and he said, quote, I haven't talked to Scott Woodward that's the AD since Saturday. Haven't been any discussions about that. It's not like we haven't dealt with this since the spring. Our team has done a nice job focusing on games at hand, and we'll continue to do that. We've had that experience since the beginning of the year. So there you go. As that story develops, if we have more on it, we'll talk with Bruce Feldman about it, who's going to join us in the 3 o'clock hour about Chip Kelly. Kirby Hocutt from the Playoff Committee does join us now on the show, Pennzoil Performance Line. Start with that, Kirby. I mean, do you think someone should be out? 
I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Good afternoon. I, you know, ranking the top 25 teams is uh, plenty for the selection committee to focus on. Don't need to add to your plate. Did you think for a second that I was really asking you that? Because, I, I mean, you've, we've done it enough that you probably like, it's probably just Rosillo, but, God, you might, there might have been a second like, moment of panic. jerk. Like, what is wrong with him? No, I, 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 uh, I've listened to you long enough. Okay. I, I know. So. All right. Thank you, Kirby. Um, let's, let's start, I think, with the thing that we had a reaction to. And I'll even admit myself. I go, wait a minute. Why is Miami now? I had at Clemson, and then I woke up today, and I go, "All right, well, maybe it's a little bit more understandable." So, help us understand it. Those at least minutes after the rankings came out were confused to how the jump of the Canes over Clemson. Well, I, I, you know, I think it's important to say that we we start each week uh, with a, a full review of how a team has performed over the course of the season. So, every week a team has a chance to strengthen the resume, uh, or certain resumes are, are weakened. Uh, in a particular um, Saturday. Um, Miami's a team that, you know, has continued to protect their undefeated record and did so against a a Virginia team last weekend. Um, In that game, faced certain uh, adversity, you know, got down 14 early, got down 14 in the second half, uh, had the the, uh, characteristics of, of a team that uh, was able to come out in in a convincing win at at the end. Um, over the past three weeks, Miami has continued to uh, progress in the eyes of the selection committee, and I think we've been very patient. You know, with with Miami, very aware of what happened early in the season to them with uh, the loss of games, and so we've we've wanted to see Miami continue to take those steps. And they had a chance to strengthen their resume this past weekend against Virginia. They did, um, taking nothing away from. From Clemson, I, I would say they did not lessen their resume at all. But you know, you do have the Syracuse loss there. Uh, Miami beat Syracuse, so all those things uh, said, we gave the edge to Miami at that number two spot this week. What is the decision making process like? Because when you look at the just the the raw data, the numbers surrounding Clemson and Miami, by almost every metric, Clemson comes out ahead of Miami. And of course, enough has been said about how they're going to settle it on the field later on. This season, but what's it like in the room with you on the committee, everyone in the room? What type of convincing has to go on to get Miami to jump Clemson when Clemson plays an FCS school and and Miami has a bit of a tough time against Virginia? What's the what's the vibe in the room? Well, it, that's a great question and and one that I think uh, has has proven why the CFP selection committee uh, works. That uh, we thirteen subjective. Individuals sit around that table each week to debate, to discuss uh, these rankings. And and what's different than uh, any previous system in college football is is we're watching these games. We are watching how these teams uh, perform each and every week. And as we all know, college football is not a consistent product week in and week out. These teams are, you know, uh, up and down, and and so it's it's that subjective analysis uh, by 13 individuals. But more than anything, um, watching how these teams perform on the the field each and every week. So you know um, the debate is always different related to these teams about what they do uh, each each particular weekend. So you know again, it, it was the way that Miami performed against uh, um, a Virginia team. Uh, gave them the edge this this particular week. We're talking with Kirby Hillcutt again from the playoff committee. UCF fans extremely frustrated, ten and zero, only move up one spot to thirteen. What's the argument against UCF? Well, UCF is a very talented football team, one that uh, we have spent considerable time in our committee meetings talking about. You know their their offensive 
efficiency is uh, very impressive. They um, are scoring a, a lot of points. They're impressive in, in doing that. Um, you know, as, as you go through, and, and we've done this as a selection committee in our room, we, we've talked in detail about the the level of opposition that they've played this year. Have they faced a, a truly great defense yet uh, on their schedule uh, to to um, perform at this level, you know, we, we've we've looked at their opponents, and you know, you you talk about, um, you know, three and eight Cincinnati, three and eight East Carolina, uh, three and eight Connecticut, five and six Temple. So it, it's the question of the schedule, um, and and could they uh, have this same type of success against a, a stronger schedule? So yet again, a, a talented team, one that that we continue to be impressed with and we have two more opportunities to, to watch them play and we look forward to doing that just to correct myself here ucf now 15th in your rankings up three spots ap jumped up only one they're 15th in yeah. the college football playoff selection committee rankings yes sir how much are you dedicating truly dedicating equal time to all of these schools or around this time of year when it's really crunch time and and the the rankings are shaken out to their finality are you spending a lot more time and energy, not only in the decision-making process in the room over the weekend, but actually watching the games with a more keen interest for the top four, top six, maybe top eight around this time of year? Or are you truly giving everybody equal time? We're truly giving everybody equal time. I think people would be uh, really surprised if, if they could listen in to uh, our, our meetings. And, you know, we're spending as much time um, on teams 12 through 25 as we do teams 1 through 11 uh, because we know how important this is. We know how important it is to the young men who play this game. We know how important it is to the livelihood of of the, the, the men who coach this game and, and everybody that's associated with it and, and to the universities uh, that that compete. So uh, we, we spend um, as much time on, um, you know, the, the lower third part of our bracket as we do one through four. So, um, yeah, when we walk out of that room, we, we have to be confident that we got one through 25 right because we know it's just as important to teams 23, 24, and 25. Hey, Kirby, enjoy your Thanksgiving, man. We always appreciate the time you have for us on the show. I know Will Kane was upset, but he's going to be live on First Take tomorrow from your high school. Believe it or not, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will be watching, and happy Thanksgiving, guys. All right, awesome. That's Kirby Hill cutting the shell Pennzoil performance line. Pennzoil Synthetics taking synthetic motor oil performance to a whole new level. Make the switch to Pennzoil Synthetics today. I liked his answer on UCF. I know it's really frustrating for UCF fans. You're 9-0, and but your schedule isn't good and if this is about a national championship i mean what is it if you were if you were 11th would you feel better but when, whenever i hear kind of that what about the small guy argument you just you wouldn't be in this position if you were one of those other conferences I, there, there's absolutely no debate in my eyes there, yeah their strength of schedule is going to be like 97th or something like that and so, uh, all you will say though for ucf the will reeve experience down in orlando yes yes sick the spirit splash <laughs> i was wearing a tank top Rosillo style in the middle of their pool on homecoming, caught a duck. It was awesome. <laughs> the Ryan Rosillo Show. Rosillo. 7 Eastern, uh, right on ESPN. The coverage of the Celtics winning streak and all that stuff. So we have a lot going on. But he's one of my favorite players ever, and it's Paul Pierce now. What's up, man? How are you? What's going on? Hey, so I watch you all the time with uh, with Beetle, Jalen, and Chauncey. And uh-huh. I've talked about you on the air here, and the, the stuff you say, you're not supposed to be this good at television this early. 
Do you realize <laughs> how, how good you are at this and getting everybody fired at you and mad and all this stuff? Have you noticed how good you are at being Paul Pierce on TV? <laughs> Hey, I'm just being myself, man. I'm just, you know, I, I say my opinion. I say how I feel, and, you know, that's how it's always been with me. All right. That's that's what I remember, you know, when you were in Boston. So, uh, let's, <laughs> all right, this Celtics team, and we'll do some of this other fun stuff a little bit later, but this Celtics team, how surprising is this with Kyrie playing defense and this young team overall playing as well as they are? Man, it's very surprising. It's just like when – the thing is, when Gordon Hayward went down – I think a lot of the expectations for the Celtics went out the window. And so, you know, it sort of took the air out the building. But they, I think, really has rallied around that. You know, you got... This is what he came here for. This is what he came here for. He came here to be be the lead guy, to show everybody that he can lead a team by himself. And then you got an excellent coach in Brad Stevens. I mean, it's just like the perfect storm now. You got veterans with youth and athleticism. I mean, this is going to be a scary team for a long time. You mentioned the youth. The youth acquired in large part because of the assets that the Celtics got back years ago when they traded you out of town alongside Kevin Garnett. And I'm curious, Paul, what sort of feeling do you get around the fact that, yes, you were traded out of Boston after that great run that you guys had, and you did continue your career elsewhere, but you're a Celtic at heart, and they love you there, and everyone knows you as a Celtic more than any, I would say. What sort of feeling do you get about the fact that you are basically the reason the Celtics have a chance to be good with these assets for like a decade plus? I feel like I should have a stake in ownership. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just happy because, like you said, I'm always going to be a Celtic. I'm always going to be associated with that, and and for me to have a part and the success that they're having now, you know, it, it just it, it feels great. Although I didn't want to get traded. I never wanted to play for another team. You know, you got to understand that's the business that you go through that. But, you know, I still have a great relationship with the owners, uh, Wick, Steve Palayuka. You know, I still have a great relationship with Danny Ainge. And uh, just to see him now, you know, I'm, I'm the Celtics' biggest fan. When I'm on TV and you start talking about the Celtics, you know, I feel like they're the best team uh, in the league. I feel like, you know, they the, the direction that they're going in is, is is perfect. I mean, they're built for the long run. They still have draft picks they're going to get next year. And they're already ahead of expectations right now with their record and, and everything that they've been doing. They're, this is the prime example of how you rebuild. You know, some teams, when – they lose their all-stars and veterans, and they don't get the necessary assets or picks needed to to build for the future. You know they're they're not a, they're not doing things right. We're talking with Paul Pierce. Uh, speaking of that trade, and I don't know if there's a, a funny story from that or something that you've never revealed before. But what happened when Ainge calls to tell you he's trading you? You know the, the thing is, this is something that didn't happen out the blue. Uh, it was like always kind of open dialogue. Uh, where our position was on the team. And it, I guess it all really started with the Ray Allen, you know, nearly getting traded the year before. And then, uh, you know, him just saying, you know, I don't, I don't know how much longer I can keep this team together. Uh, we're not going to be contenders. He's preparing for the future. There was always open dialogue. So it wasn't a surprise the first day Danny, you know, called and said, you know, we have a trade on the table. It was like, you know, it was a mutual kind of thing. I knew they wanted to go into a rebuild. 
Doc was 50-50 on the – Doc didn't want to be a part of no rebuild, and I didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. You know, even though I wanted to be a subject at that stage, I wanted at least another shot at maybe one of the championships. So we felt like maybe the best destination out of probably all the scenarios was Brooklyn, uh, especially if you package with me and KG. So it was kind of like really a mutual thing and, you know, both sides really going in opposite direction. Me not wanting to rebuild, the Celtics ready for a rebuild. And, you know, it was, that's why it was no hard feelings. Elsewhere in the NBA tonight, Team not rebuilding in the Thunder, but recalibrating a bit. Uh, of course, adding Oklahoma City did Paul George and Carmelo Anthony over the offseason. Not living up to expectations so far. They're hosting the Warriors tonight. All eyes will be on that game. And simply put, Paul, why aren't the Thunder that good? Well, the thing is, when you put together this type of talent, you know, the, the good teams, when they like when you look at Golden State, they have four great players, but you got to understand they all got a different type of skill set. You got Clay Thompson, he doesn't need the ball in his hand. You know, he's more of a catch and shoot guy. Clay, uh, Draymond Green, he's a rebounder, defender, some playmaking. Curry is their primary playmaker, and Durant is their primary scorer. You know, they both share that. And, but when you look at the Thunder, they have three guys who just say like the year before. They played on teams that they were the, the main go-to guy. They were the, the they played isolation basketball, and, and that was their role as the star. You know, I have to make all the plays for everybody else. So now you bring them all together. And, you know, they all have similar skill set. It's not like one can say, all right, I'll be a spot-up-and-shoot guy or come off down screen or be a slasher. You know, these guys have thrived over the years off their isolation basketball. And now you put them together. So somebody's going to have to give and take for this team to be successful. Somebody's got to take a step back, say, look, all right, I'll play this role for the team. I'll be more of a primary, maybe, you know, a guy that maybe Melo say, I'll be a primary post player. See, that's what it is. And also, when you look at our big three in Boston with me, Kevin, and Ray, you know, Ray, Ray was a shooter. I was our primary playmaker scorer. Kevin was our low post presence. So it's a little bit different. Just because you put the talent together and the big names together doesn't always mean it'll work out. I mean, for example, you look at the Lakers when they got the White Howard, Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant. You know, sometimes it doesn't always work out because the skill, the, the, the skill sets kind of overlap each other. It's such a great point because when you three came together, I remember thinking, okay, they all play at different areas on the floor. And, that's, and I also think it was better, too, because you guys were older and it sort of been over it individually and just go, let's try to figure this thing out together. And I think that's an underrated part of that. Now, because I was up there, I was in the building in 2008 for the wheelchair game. And I have been at ESPN now for over a decade. And I stick up for you all the time when the anti-Paul Pierce people, and the people are going to think I'm kissing up to you right now. I'm just spitting facts. And the facts are that you never missed games, except for when they tried to tank at the end of that year before they got everybody. Are you annoyed when people think that you're somehow soft? When I saw you get your teeth busted out in a game and come back and play, you never missed games, and yet people that don't want to get over it, maybe just hate you or hate the Celts, want to use that wheelchair incident against you. You know, most of those people are Laker fans anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I, hardly, I don't get that from pretty much anybody else. And, and the story behind that was when we were coming off the floor, I told them to let me put weight on it, but they wanted to carry me. I told them, let me stand up, that they wanted to put me in a wheelchair. So they were using all these precautions. And that's why we got the 
the famous wheelchair game that people will never forget. And as far as my toughness, I don't think people really question that. People know what type of player I am and who I am as an individual. People know I will play through pretty much anything if I can walk and run and jump out there, I'm going to play through it. So I don't know. I think those are just the Laker fans who are questioning that. I agree with you, You got to understand, they're Hollywood. They're used to fake things. <laughs> so they they thought it was just you. That's the thing. Like other players, I probably would have crushed for it. I'd be like, come on, this dude. And then you come back and you're good to go. But I just, I'd seen so many times you never missed any games. And that was something, when it's a guy like you that produces like you do and you can count on him all the time, uh, that's a whole nother skill, man. So look, we're big fans. Keep doing your thing on television. That's again tonight. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. All right. Thanks, man. That's Paul Pierce, one of our analysts on ESPN NBA Countdown. Warriors of Thunder tonight. Cover starts at 7 Eastern on ESPN. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Electricity charge inside, energy like a lightning strike. Take one spark and I will ignite. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Now that Human Resources Director Ryan Lee has Chronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, he's really on top of his game. He even has his own hype song. I'm the best beyond belief. I got strength and got the speed. Entire workforce. Complete with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. No, nobody catching up. They're not fast or strong enough. I got that electricity charging inside. Take one spot, yeah. I'm attracting and engaging the best people every step of the way. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at kronos.com slash HR swagger. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Bruce Feldman from Fox Sports and SI.com. I don't even want to ask you a question, Bruce. Just take it away. Like, what do, what do we no. have in store for us here with Chip's decision in Florida, UCLA? Leave out you nothing. You know, I think he's – Ryan, I think he's got two really good options. They're very different, you know, and I think ultimately, you know, the question is Chip Kelly's a very independent thinker. He's going to do what he thinks he's most comfortable with and works out best for him. Uh, I think – if the UCLA commitment to football question is is a, is one that I think is a fair one at this point because clearly you wouldn't pony up twelve plus million dollars to get rid of Jim Mora. UCLA doesn't throw money around like that unless you're serious about getting the Chip Kelly sweepstakes. Are they committed to football at the same level that say USC is? Certainly, as other SEC programs, they hadn't in the past. I don't. What that I think means and why it's relevant isn't because oh, are they going to pay Chip Kelly X amount of millions of dollars? I don't think it comes down to whether they're going to pay him, you know, an extra half a million or whatever. I think really the question is, are they going to be committed to do the things in terms of sports performance and things that and developing the athletes the way Chip Kelly feels like you're going to need to do? And if the answer to that is yes. You know, I think UCLA has a pretty good shot here. And certainly the longer this is going to play on, uh, the better off I think it is for UCLA because I think they're going to work on his timetable. And, you know, he is the one guy, I think, who put the scare into into USC. And USC has not been scared of UCLA football for a long time. It seems like we are in the tracking uh, plane tail numbers. I saw him at a restaurant in this town, et cetera, et cetera, phase of the Chip Kelly sweepstakes, at least from the outside, from the inside where you seem to sit 
what's your gut telling you? You know, I, I, I never say never on these things because, like I said, he's a you know he's going to work on his own timeline and what he thinks he's is best for him. The people I know who've either worked with him or or coached with him or played for him see UCLA as more of a better fit for him. And a little bit, it goes back to, I think, something you guys were saying right before I came on, which is, you know, there's a fishbowl quality to a lot of these SEC jobs. At Tennessee, it is a very, very, you know, big deal. At Florida, it's not as much of a fishbowl, but it still is. I mean, just the nature of, you know, six guys get off the plane, six people get off the plane uh, after meeting with Chip Kelly in New Hampshire, and there's media waiting for him, and it's, it's that kind of level of attention. Whereas, you know, Chip Kelly comes out here to, to UCLA and he goes out to eat, you know, nobody's going to mess with him. They may, may know who he is, but they, it's just not the way things are out here in Southern California. There's too many other things. I think they're a little more conditioned to, to quote-unquote celebrity. You know, whereas if you're the head coach of, let's say, Tennessee, you're the most important person in the state. If you're the head coach of the Florida Gators, you're one of the most important people in the state. And at UCLA or at USC, it's just – People don't get caught up in it that much. And so I don't think you have the level of tracking or the, you know, whatever that goes into all this stuff out on the West Coast. It's just not the same degree of uh, fascination or paranoia or hysteria. We're talking with Bruce Feldman again, SI.com, Fox Sports College Football. There's, I guess I still have so many questions about this because everything you're saying I agree with. And that's why originally I thought, well, why wouldn't he just go back out to the West Coast? He already has some inroads with the places he'd already recruited with Oregon. You know, he doesn't have to kind of start from scratch. He doesn't have to worry about the high school relationships as much as he would have to at Gainesville. But because he's such an independent guy, and I'm not saying I know him and I know how his brain works, but he does remind me of so many guys that I grew up with that he may just say, you know what, I want to try my stuff in the SEC. We know the SEC is generally the best. Maybe I just want to try it there. Maybe I, I'm more committed to the idea that Florida is going to be buying into this. So as much as the rest of us see this easier path, easier life, a lot of these guys are not actually wired that way, that they don't want to take the easier thing. I think that's a big reason why he wanted to try out the NFL, and he's probably still annoyed about how how that story went down. So that's what makes me think, and it still very well may be UCLA, but why Florida would be more alive than me being dismissive of it maybe the way I was a week ago. Well, I think why Florida is alive is because two different guys won national titles there in football. And so that has been viable, and it's the chance where they're going to say yes when you ask them, hey, I think we need this because because LSU has this or because Alabama has it. You know, at Florida, they're they're more likely to say yes to these. Now, I'm not saying at UCLA they won't, but they haven't in the past. Um, and so that's an issue. As far as testing out the, you know his stuff in the SEC – if it goes the way Chip Kelly probably thinks it's going to go, he's going to see him in the playoffs, you know? And I think that, oh. the, you know, I, I saw this a little bit with, you know, people saying, hey, you know, the, the football catches up to you. Football caught up to Mike Leach after he was away because he struggled early on. Well, they didn't catch up to him that well because, you know, he's winning, he's, you know, going for the Pac-12 title in Pullman, Washington. And I think Chip Kelly knows if he gets back to doing what he does and putting together a staff and, and, and drawing up plays and they execute better, it doesn't matter where he's going to be. It works. I mean, just like, just like Scott Frost has you know, lit a fuse at UCF. They were the worst offense in the country two years ago. Now they have the number one ranked offense. And they know it works, and I just think it's a matter of what's the best fit and where do I 
where do I have the commitment and, and the kind of connections to make everything go the way I think I need it to go? And if he feels like it's going to be UCLA, then he'll be a Bruin. And if he feels like, you know what, maybe it should be Florida, then he'll, he'll be in Gainesville. Okay, can you set the record straight on what the shoe thing would be here? Because, I mean, I know the Oregon Nike you know, attachment. We, we, we all understand that, any of us that have been up there. But why would he not sign? Like, why would he not go to UCLA because of Phil Knight, like, five years later? Yeah, I know he has a great relationship with Phil Knight. I'm not sure. I, that might be a little bit overblown. You know, again, this is depends on who you talk to. I talked to somebody on Monday who, you know, has worked with Chip, who thought from their experience at, at, at Oregon that it wasn't that big of a deal, that it wasn't a huge, that it wasn't a deal breaker, you know. And so... I don't know. I, I saw that report, and I'm not saying I, I would dismiss it, but from what I had heard, I don't think that's a deal breaker. I really, I don't. And um, you know, but we'll see. I mean, because obviously Phil Knight has been very important to him. He got a lot of stuff done for him, but I, I don't know if he would. He's such an independent thinker. I just don't think he would say, you know what, I really want to be here, but Phil Knight doesn't want me here, so I'm going to take a job that <laughs> I'm not. I'm not as comfortable on. That to me doesn't sound like him. No, that's. I agree. Where are we at with Kevin Sumlin? Well, I, I don't I don't doubt the report out of Houston that that his last game is going to be on Saturday night at LSU. I think that clearly Scott Woodward wants the AD there wants to make a big change, and you know he'll probably swing for the fences to try to get Jimbo Fisher. Now, what does that mean for Kevin Sumlin? I mean, if Chip Kelly doesn't want UCLA, you know, at one point UCLA really liked Kevin Sumlin. You could see him recruiting out here on the West Coast. Could he be a fit at Nebraska, perhaps? Um, and then I, I don't know. You know, he, he's obviously one. You know, he did a pretty good job at A and M. It was the first time they were ever in the top in the top five out of top five finish in like fifty years. But ultimately, they got tired of him. He he, he was not, unable to kind of get pushed past where he was, and it felt like I guess they thought they were backsliding. And and uh, the question is going to be: There's going to be a bunch of SEC openings. Could they get him in one of these other places? Because the reality is Chip Kelly can't coach all these places that are going to have vacancies. Good stuff, man. Enjoy the last few weeks, all right? My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Have a good Thanksgiving. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Great lineup here. Ready to go. Um, didn't check Twitter at all through. We tweeted out something a little bit earlier, but that SEC thing. I, I believe that. I think there's more anti-SEC stuff out there than actual pro. And I think people would be shocked they go oh there we go another ESPN guy maybe the SEC isn't the best conference I'm willing to accept that but I just don't know which one is I don't know which one you can't get in my face about it you got to come with another right. one if you're going to say that the SEC like, yeah. is not yeah maybe it is the Big Ten and that's that stat that Felica tweeted out they don't have any non-conference top 25 wins I know what that says. It doesn't look very good, but I think the Pac-12 had the same thing last year. I'm like, I don't know. I still think that conference is good. All right, Life Advice with Will Reeve today. The Rosillo Show brought to you by Upside.com, giving all business travelers the gift of a better travel experience this holiday season, Upside.com. Let's do it. I would just walk in and go, what's the plan, bro? Why are you sleeping until 1? We need to start stripping it back down to the base. It's your life and our advice. Let me fix your life, not just your back porch. Get ready to fire away here, Will. Because this is the youngest dude we've ever had do life advice. <laughs> so it's I'd like, I hope I know some stuff, man. Well, you're just just a different lean on things. Let's go to Patrick in Ohio. What's up, man? 
Hey, first off, I got to say big fan, Ryan. Thanks, uh, man. Thank ESPN you. needs to pay you extra for all the swag you bring to the radio. Um, <laughs> That's so what I'm saying. Right. I mean, Ryan's the hottest thing on the radio right now. He is you super know, hot. Whatever. All right, I'm looking right at him. Seriously, man, I appreciate that. Thank you. So my life advice I need is we are having Thanksgiving dinner tonight at my house for my my family, my kids, the wife, or whatever, because my mother-in-law insists that we always do the holidays at her house. My wife is Polish and German. I'm African-American. I'm about as black as it gets. I don't. I can't stand her mother's cooking. So how do I fake it till I make it? Now I've been doing this for like three years, and I can't figure it out yet. So go. <laughs> that's, uh, that's putting a lot on my plate. Uh, I I mean, okay. Caveat here: I'm about as white as it gets, so I'm like take everything with a grain of salt. Um, which will raise your blood pressure, by the way. Uh, <laughs> in case anybody wasn't yeah. sure but about so, the previous well, I just statement. feel like from what I can I can from what I from what I know the food that you would be bringing to a, a Thanksgiving that you would want to that you would want to like run is way different from what uh your mother-in-law wants I feel like your food is better why don't you just like would it be totally out of bounds to just power move and be like this is what we're eating it's my house this is my territory. Right. You're telling him to bring some stuff with him the next day? Like, make his own. Like, if he wants certain foods that she's not going to have, like, just come in there with that and be like, this is what I'm bringing. <laughs> like, I'll bring what you want me to bring, but I'm also bringing my stuff, and then you can eat your own stuff. Yeah, maybe you are too young. There's no way the in-laws are... Like, that's the whole point, man. They no, love... I understand. I get it. Like, suck it up. I am like... This is, I, don't I don't know, I don't know why I'm to, laughing. I don't even know how to cook. I think the grain of salt thing sent me down the road where I just started laughing. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I would fake a sickness. I would fake a sickness every single year. Let's get Josh in just Illinois. never go? <laughs> no, I would fake a sickness be like, I don't know what's wrong with my stomach again. It's, it's always this time of year. It's literally every fourth Thursday yeah, of November. every time. Okay, Josh in Illinois. Hey, guys. What's going on? Uh, I got a longtime girlfriend going on about five years. I'm 22. I just bought my uh, first house, and I'm ready to get it going the next step. But the problem is is she uh, doesn't know I smoke pot on a daily basis. <laughs> I'm smoking pot. So I need to know. I feel like I'm still in a good spot only being 22, but what do you guys think? I think, no offense, you need to break up with her right now because you're 22 and you've been dating her for five years. I mean, I understand Love, wow. love, and it's heat. Oh. I just, I'm so, if there's anything I believe in, it's I believe in not having a significant other when you're in college or right out but of it's college. it's too late. He's buying her a house. Josh's Which is point. awesome. The fact that you're in a place Josh in life. Josh blazes every day. Dude, with, <laughs> with Sloan Kettering and Johnny Hopkins. <laughs> uh, Josh, edibles? Uh, if they're available. Heck you know yeah, what? man. Yeah, you're going to have to talk to her about You need to get a imagine? pen. Imagine, I'm just trying to think the other way around if I was dating Why can't you just tell her? If you've been dating her for five years, you guys have gone through some transformative years together in from your teens yeah. into your early 20s. Well, Why can't you just talk about it? early in the relationship, and ever since then, you just best to keep it a secret. You've been hiding it. You've been lying about <laughs> right. it? If you're going to get married, uh, no, which it sounds like you are, you can't up. hide it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's All she's right, in well, for a real shocker. That's going to be fun. Call us back and let us know how that one goes. After the breakup. I, I could just imagine being on the other side of that if you were dating a girl. She's like, hey, Will, here's a deal. And by the way, you <laughs> haven't figured this out. I light up every day. <laughs> All the time. Just, every time I'm talking to you. Just constantly. I'm with God. Throwing back pain. All right, Mo in Dallas. What's up, Mo? Medicinal. Hey, hey Rosello, big fan, man. Y'all are doing a great job. Thanks. So, Is Chris Mo? Huh? Nothing. Mo, go. Yeah. We call me Mo. the line. Yeah. Yes, I'm 26. I'm from Dallas. My friend is 25. He, me and him made a bet earlier in the season. If I lost to him in fantasy football, I'd have to go with him to Demi Lovato concert. We're true government. I lost because all my players sucked that week. I need to get out of this because I'm 26 and I don't need to go into Demi Lovato concert with another man. Wrong. You do need to go to yeah, the Demi Lovato concert. Yeah. There's yep. no like other option. You're definitely going. You're going to kill it. Have a great time. Talk to uh, who's that? Josh, who called before. Hook up with him. He'll get you the edibles. You go to the Demi Lovato concert, and it's going to be sick. Now because do you know who goes to Demi Lovato concerts? Yeah, they're the teeny boppers with their dads. But then there is the demographic that has grown up with Demi Lovato. She's about 25, 26. You're welcome. Right, and you'll be high, you'll be really loose. You'll know, be the sensitive, cool guy yeah. who's like going to the Demi yeah. Lovato concert. Also, you, side note, her song's kind of bang. Okay. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Literally. Um, he also, when he said, I'm a man and I don't need to go. No, no, you're a man and you need to pay your debts. That that too. Yeah. Jeff in Burlington. What's up, Jeff? Yo, Burlington. Hey, hey how's it going, Ryan? Been listening to you for a long time. Um, just curious to know, both of you guys, uh, I know you went to uh, school at UVM, and I think uh, Will went to school up here as well in the area. Uh, what's the, uh, for a southern guy living in Burlington, what's the what's the best advice to, to pick up these northern girls? Ooh, it's a tough spot, man. Um, into any outdoor stuff? You get maybe part-time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I fish and hike and all that stuff, so I think oh, I have you're, that. You're good. Do you ski? I snowboard. There you go. Snowboard, stow, little apres ski. Gondola? Yeah. What's up? Yeah, or you could just tell them you're a spy. Just tell them you're from the South. It sounds like it's not going well, Jeff, and that's why you're calling. Is it been a... Well, yeah, I'm getting advice from you guys. Oh. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, Jeff, I did fine at Rasputin's. Rasputin's? <laughs> wow, you do know you're Burlington. Um, just tell them, uh, tell them you know me, go to the Red Square, and uh, see if see if that doesn't help, all right? I'm serious right, about I'll that. Try that out. Yeah, Thanks, try that guys. out, Jeff. Okay, good stuff. Talk to him on the phone. Yeah, yeah I talked to him. Like, I, I know Russell. I call Russell all the time. I called him just last week. <laughs> okay. Come, come here. That's probably not going to work. I haven't been up there in forever. Thank you for listening to the Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. You can check out the show live weekdays at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN News. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast.